You're listening to the Domecast, where news and observer journalists take a look back and forward in North Carolina politics. Welcome to Domecast, the politics podcast from the News and Observer and NC Insider. My name is Lauren Horsch, and I am here today with my colleagues Andy Spay and Will Doran of the News and Observer and Colin Campbell from the NC Insider. Um, We're going to break down a busy week in politics for you. The lawmakers are back in Raleigh starting the regularly scheduled short session, and they were greeted by thousands of teachers on Wednesday. Um, They were flocking from... Fayetteville Street all the way down to the General Assembly Um, and throw it over to Will first. So why, you know, why were some of these teachers coming to Raleigh um, to meet the lawmakers and discuss things with them? Well, I think number one thing is uh, they're looking for raises. Uh, I I think pretty much everybody wants a raise, uh, teachers especially. You know, it's no secret that North Carolina is ranked pretty low in teacher pay. Um, And they also want, you know, just in general more funding for for schools and all that, um, the 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 legislature, um, the Republicans who lead the legislature, say that they kind of you know are are getting a little bit of short shrift on this. They need more credit for raises that they've already given to teachers. They say they've given re- teachers raises the last five years com- in a row, and uh, th- that's true. Uh, teachers have gotten uh, raises, and you know those haven't always been equal for everybody. Sometimes it's been more targeted at say beginning teachers than veteran teachers, things like that. Um, we saw in the uh, in the budget that Roy Cooper put out recently, uh, the governor's budget, which obviously is not uh, anywhere near guaranteed to find support in the General Assembly. He wanted to give uh, veteran teachers a raise, saying that you know they're kind of being left out in the cold by the legislature right now. Um, and if you look at just what teacher pay is uh, this year, it's around fifty-one thousand uh, dollars. That is the highest it's been in a while, but. If you adjust for inflation, it's still lower than what it was before the recession back in 2007, 2008. Um, It would need to be about $5,000 higher just to have kept up with inflation over the last decade. So even though teachers have, you know, what looks like on paper to be a higher salary, they are still feeling the the pinch in their pocketbooks a little bit with that loss of buying power. Mm -hmm. And so, Andy, you were also um, at the General Assembly on Wednesday. You were with a lot of these teachers. You were out in the rain, walking around with them. And so what were some of the things you were hearing from these teachers who, as Will said, are feeling a little pinch in their pockets? Uh, Well, a lot of them told stories about their their classrooms and what supplies they did not have and how long they had gone without them. Uh, I heard from teachers in Mecklenburg County uh, in, in Charlotte. I heard from teachers in Guilford County. And a lot of them talked about, you know, we have, they, w- they would say things like, we have limitations on how much we can make copies. But we have to make lots of copies because our textbooks aren't updated, which, you know, uh, makes, uh, you can imagine how difficult so their lives how are. So did they say how they were going about, you know, their limited amount of copies when they need to make copies of, you know, worksheets and textbooks? They had different tactics. Some of them will, uh, you know, barter for, uh, another's, you know, uh, copy privileges. Others would just print at home. You know, a lot of them spend their own money uh, on the su- to get the supplies they need, uh, like markers. I heard um, the there's a teacher from Guilford County that said uh, they cut the math department's budget at her school. They had calculators but no batteries, and so uh, I think her and some other teachers. I, I can't remember how they 
ended up finding them, but they did. Um, but yeah, it was, as you mentioned, rainy. And so it, imagine uh, some of the worst humidity you've ever been in because the sun would come out and then it would start to rain and then it would let up raining. And so you're standing there, at least I was standing there with all these teachers. It's also crowded, so you're bumping into everybody, getting their sweat on you. Uh, and there's also a, a band. There was a band or two uh, that yeah, came. I did see that a came, tuba. I did hear the tuba myself. You so. heard the tuba. There's a microphone. There's chanting. Uh, all this before the rally at 3.30 where uh, Mark Jewell, the NC Association of Educators president, spoke, as well as Governor Cooper and uh, countless other Democratic legislators. Uh, so uh, there were some teachers that I spoke with that were a little more aware of the cuts that had happened, and then others were there. Uh, they, they didn't necessarily mention legislators uh, specifically, but they would say, you know, I have only received an X amount of raise since X, you know, since mm -hmm. this, this year. I met a woman who's been a school counselor for 20 years uh, she saw a sign that said that 20-year teachers are supposed to make $53,000. I, th I think that's what it said. Um, Y'all can go back and fact check me if I'm wrong. Uh, and she said, I'm not near that. I'm, I've been a counselor, I've been an educator for 20 years and I'm not at 53,000. So um, for a lot of them, it was based just on their personal experience. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, some were more politically motivated and had, you know, they had already purchased the shirts with slogans on them that might sound a little uh, partisan, but others were just regular folks who were fed up with um, how many students were in their classrooms or how little money they were making or how little, few supplies they had. Did you talk to any teachers who had planned on meeting with lawmakers on Wednesday or had you met with any of them after they met with lawmakers? Uh, I didn't in, uh, specifically. I know I talked to several people who were in line to get into the building. Uh, I don't know if their plans were to talk to their specific representative, um, but they wanted to get in. I don't know what they did. I know we, uh, our colleague Lynn Bonner, followed a couple, a, a couple teachers or a couple parents, I can't remember which, mm -hmm. to Mark Brody's office to ask him about what he had said. Yeah, and if you don't remember, uh, Representative Mark Brody, who's a Republican from Union County, had put this long Facebook post up about the march and the rally and had said, and had essentially called the teachers uh, union thugs. So I think if you go online to the News and Observer, you can read Lynn Bonner's account of these teachers essentially going up and asking Representative Brody, you know, why he said that. He, yes, she followed them along. I think she met them, and they said that that's where they were going, and she tagged along, and he ended up apologizing, if I'm not mistaken. So, obviously, some people had uh, plans for what they were going to do mm -hmm. when they got to Raleigh, and then others showed up uh, and just wanted, you know, to be accounted for at this rally, and then when it started raining too hard, left, which I can't say I blame them. Yeah, I think one thing I noticed was that there seemed to be a lot of people there who wouldn't otherwise be politically involved, politically active. Um, I gave directions to probably three or four teachers inside the building who said, hey, I'm from Durham, who's my representative? Or, hey, I live in Winston-Salem, do you know who my senator is and where their office is? You know, a lot of people who, you know, don't really pay attention to state politics at the state legislature, uh, you know, that closely, but... They were here because of this, and they were in the hallways chanting, you know, remember, we vote in November. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, this is uh, clearly for people who aren't, you know, politically involved. If they're here for this, this is, you know, maybe going to be the one thing that they do care about uh, when it comes to election time. 
yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how the November elections do play out. Um, yeah, that chant, the remember, remember, we vote in November, I think is a good callback to uh, the movie V for Vendetta, which has the remember, remember the 4th of November or whatever it is. So. Unfortunately, no Guy Fox masks being worn <laughs> during the um, protest the other day. Well, I don't think even if they had Guy Fox masks on, they probably wouldn't have been allowed to get away with that. Because remember, a lot of people usually get, you know. Yeah. Is that a prohibited item at the new security <laughs> checkpoints of the legislature? Oh, yeah. Andy, how was getting through security with all the teachers? I did not make it through security with all the teachers. Uh, the lines for the front uh, doors and the back doors wrapped around the side of the building. And so if you, had an, if you were able to get an overview, you know, from directly above uh, the Capitol building, you would have seen it bordered by a line of red T-shirt wearing teachers and parents. Uh, so I was mostly outside the whole day and sweated through both of my shirts and had to go home and get new ones. Oh my gosh. And we should point out, uh, you, you asked about security and you mentioned the masks. I don't believe there were any arrests. No, there were not. It was very, and I think that was part of the deal. They wanted it to be very peaceful and just get the message out. Yeah, and uh, there, there's really, I think that's only one point where things got a little bit tense during the House and Senate sessions. Uh, I was listening in from my office on the ground floor uh, and started to hear fairly loud chanting and clapping um, and a little bit of, uh, I think maybe a little bit of singing too, uh, from the uh, areas right outside the chambers. Uh, and at one point, um, they called for order, I think, in the House side. In the Senate side, they adjourned rather abruptly uh, as a result of the noise level. A couple of people, I think, may have been escorted out of chambers, but they were not actually uh, arrested at that, this point, um, which uh, was sort of notably different than a lot of the protests we've seen at the legislature in recent years. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, I believe, was it Speaker Moore uh, in the House who even acknowledged uh, the teachers mm -hmm. up in the gallery at one point. He did. He asked for a round of applause for him and spoke a little bit more about that. Um, he was very congratulatory to the teachers, said thank you for you know coming and talking with us. I encourage you to talk with your lawmakers. He met with teachers from his district up in Cleveland County. So I mean, yeah, he Senator made Berger effort. apparently said he'd, he'd met with some Guilford County teachers from his district. Uh, that was one thing that was notable. I think you know in past we've had protests at the legislature where. Uh, you have a lot of uh, people who are angry at the legislators, and uh, you don't typically have a lot of engagement, particularly with the majority party, the Republicans. In this case, uh, there were a lot of teachers meeting individually with uh, their uh, members uh, from Mark Brody that we mentioned earlier, all the way down to uh, people like Representative Bill Brawley. I saw a bunch of people crowding into Representative Jay Adams' office uh, when I was strolling around. I think most people seem to be touting that they had, at some point at least, uh, met with groups of teachers uh, floating through the building in red shirts. Mm -hmm. And even Larry Pittman, who um, is a representative from Cabarrus County, I saw photos from our reporters, Ken Huey, um, Kern Huey, sorry, um, who, you know, there was just Larry Pittman surrounded by a crowd of teachers, and I think that's notable because he caught some flack for, you know, suggesting that teachers should be armed. So, you know, it was nice to see just a photo of Representative Pittman and just a group of people. Um, but now that we've talked a little bit about session, um, Colin, what, what should we expect out of this short session? Uh, well, so far it's been rather dull over there. Um, we kind of bailed on the place uh, earlier today, Thursday, uh, just because there wasn't a whole lot happening. Um, and it sounds like we may not get a whole lot of developments uh, until the budget comes out. Uh, a lot of things will probably be rolled into the budget as uh, tends to be uh, customary over there. So all that's happened so far is just a few uh, kind of minor bills floating around. There was a 
revenue laws bill uh, that went through uh, the Senate Finance Committee on Thursday. The only notable thing there was a provision added to uh, make sure that the uh, folks who join things like the Rams Club uh, and get free sports tickets out of it uh, don't have to pay sales tax on those tickets. So that was the only exciting thing out of that. Otherwise, a lot of uh, you know, arcane uh, tax law provisions. Um, and then you were in the uh, meetings where they discussed the school psychologist bill, I believe it was. Yeah, it's just a bill. Uh, it's a reciprocity bill. So anyone who's a school psychologist from not North Carolina would be able to come in and more easily get their school psychology license instead of having to go through all the you know, requirements to take courses. So if they've got... Um, if they've got a license already or a certification from a certain national certification agency, they'll be able to get their, their license quicker and be able to fill. We have about 70 empty school psychology positions, school psychologist positions, so they really want to get those filled because the money is already allocated. So that's they're already making headway on that. Yeah, so that's apparently a big priority for uh, particularly the House that had the school safety committee meeting. Uh, so they're moving quickly on that. Uh, other bills have been coming out of uh, different interim committees, a lot of them not terribly controversial, not terribly exciting to people outside of the uh, the insider world. Um, but uh, the big thing, I think, is just sort of the looming budget, which I understand will be in the Senate probably early June is what Senator Berger is telling us now. But they're rolling out a lot of provisions related to that. Um, they had uh, the discussion, of course, a week or so ago of the total level of spending they want to do. Uh, this week we had two press conferences relating to the budget. One uh, sort of get at, getting ahead of the teacher rally was the, the education budget press conference where they promoted, you know, what sort of teacher raises are going to be in this year's budget, which of course were already, most of which were already passed in the previous budget. And then Thursday we had the press conference on uh, economic development uh, provisions. Um, and, and what, what came out of that press conference? Yeah, so that was an interesting yeah. one. Was uh, People got really probably overly excited about that press conference because there were uh, reports both in the NNO and some other outlets uh, yesterday about uh, a looming potential for a looming deal with Apple to uh, bring their uh, new uh, headquarters e facility uh, with thousands of jobs uh, to the Raleigh area. Uh, I think the, the report suggested that uh, Cary outside of uh, Research Triangle Park was the likely location that uh, was being looked at. Um, and so we got this uh, announcement that there was going to be an economic development uh, pr uh, law or uh, legislation press conference. Uh, so every media organization quickly dispatched as many people as possible in the hope that uh, Tim Cook or some other uh, Apple figures would be there with a big announcement. Yes, I do believe one reporter, you know, when we were getting ready for the press conference said, I don't think they're going to say the A word, mm -hmm. meaning Apple or, I mean, some people would even, you know, think, is it going to be Amazon? But, you know. Yeah, and so if we get in there and the legislators almost immediately, uh, Senator Berger and uh, House Speaker Phil Moore, uh, Tim Moore, <laughs> Phil Moore. <laughs> Wrong guy. Yeah, we just merged them into one person. But um, anyway, so they, they quickly were trying to uh, distance themselves from the reports yesterday, even going so far as to sort of bash media usage of uh, anonymous sourcing and stories and suggesting that those have not proven to be true for uh, past things. So they, they sort of stress that the legislation they were coming out with was learning from uh, the failings of previous uh, efforts to lure like major automakers and some other uh, big employers to the state um, and then explained this uh, provision that basically uh, I, I think makes the uh, incentives a little bit more generous for uh, companies that are coming in and talking you know in the terms of thousands of employees uh, so not, not for your average mom and pop store that can take advantage of this. This is clearly bait for big fish 
as they would say, you know. Yeah, the, and so well, whether that's Apple or Amazon. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think some people were even, you know, questioning how the provision was laid out. It almost looks like it was laid out specifically for a project. Yeah, because that was, uh, you know, I think the original, if you look back a year or so uh, in the budget where they had this provision about tr what they termed transformative projects, that was when we were still in the uh, learning, I think, for Toyota Mazda. And so the criteria was based on the number of jobs, which had to be a lot, and the amount of money invested, which had to be well into, you know, the probably hundreds of millions, if not more. Um, and that sort of fits the profile for an automaker. Obviously, you have to build a big factory. The factory costs a lot of money to build. If you're an Apple or an Amazon and you're basically bringing in a bunch of office workers, you probably don't need to spend as much on the front end to build the place because it's just a bunch of people at desks. Um, and so I think by taking down the amount of investment required, that kind of allows uh, the same sort of provision to work out for somebody who's not going to build a big factory. They dropped it pretty majorly, or at least they're talking about it. I think it dropped from $5 billion to $1 billion in the amount of investment you'd have to bring in in this plan they put out, and the number of jobs, too, dropped from, I think it was like 5000 to 3000 um, So, uh, you know, obviously that would still be transformative, uh, yeah. which is, you know, what this transformative project is. Anytime you're talking about multiple thousands of jobs and billions of dollars of investment, but yeah, d definitely dropping it a lot. And I think our, our colleague Craig Jarvis reported on it. There were some other provisions like it would, uh, it would give the company longer to, uh, to meet the goals set by the state in order to actually collect the money. And it would lip. currently we have a cap on the amount of incentives any company is allowed to get. And it uh, looked like it would lift that cap as well so that we could kind of not give infinite incentives because obviously we only have so many taxpayer dollars here in North Carolina, but yeah. give more than you're currently And so this is going to get attached to the budget, which is interesting because Governor Roy Cooper is really pushing this provision a lot. Uh, Cooper apparently ha very happy about the provision, not at all happy about it being in the budget because as we kind of foresee the budget battle shaping up, odds are the Republican budget is not going to have a lot of the things that Cooper wants in it, including the elimination of the uh, corporate income tax reduction for next year. Uh, so I think his inclination may be to veto the budget, and uh, he's not going to be very happy if he has to veto the provision he wants that's designed at bringing a huge employer to the area. Mm -hmm. Well, it'll definitely be an interesting couple of weeks here once the budget starts getting ramped up. But as we mentioned earlier, bills are already starting to come in. Um, and I know, Will, you've written about one that could impact some of the license plates we might see rolling down the road soon. So Not just license plates, but also schools. Uh, there's uh, two different bills out by the, the same set of sponsors, uh, including uh, Representative Burt Jones. He's the main sponsor on both of them. Uh, th that has some sort of innocuous title. It's like the, the National Motto, Motto Act yeah. or something like that. But basically what it would do is it would, one of them would require every public school in the state, both traditional schools and charter schools, to put up In God We Trust signs in a prominent place in the school, maybe like the cafeteria or the front lobby, so, you know, just basically somewhere where everyone sees it. Um, and that is already getting some pushback from the state ACLU. I reached out to them earlier today to see if they had any uh, concerns about that, and they said, you know, we shouldn't be doing things that you know make any students feel like they're second-class citizens. And if a student is non-religious or you know not a Christian, uh, then they might feel you know left out and you know, maybe a little bit picked on by you know a law like this. Obviously, this is not law yet. It's only a bill that's been filed. Who knows if it'll even pass? Um, and then same with license plates. Uh, 
a set of uh, or a bill to create a new set of license plates that say in God we trust. Um, already there is a license plate that you can get that says that on it, but you have to pay extra money for it, and this would just make it a default option. So oh, anyone so be who like has, one of the ones that they pass out when you get a new license right, plate. Right. Okay. Right now your choices are either first in flight or first in freedom, uh, and this would add the third option to that, which is in God we trust. Um, so okay. that that one is probably, I would guess, likely to be less controversial than the school's one. Uh, the the bill was also unclear on exactly who would pay for the school's thing. You know, as we're sitting here talking about education funding and how teachers are protesting because they feel like they don't have enough money, you know, if suddenly boards of education are going to have to, you know, pony up to buy dozens or even in cases somewhere like Wake County, hundreds of signs. You this know, could that be adds good up. news for big sign. <laughs> <laughs> big printing, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so we'll see where that goes. In uh, in 2014, the legislature passed a like a prayer in schools law, although that didn't create any new laws. That just basically clarified that hey, the First Amendment exists and students are allowed to pray in schools if they want to. Um, so that didn't change anything. This obviously would be changing something. So yeah, this kind of reminds me of the. Um this was back when I was in school in Virginia. Uh, one year, the legislature decided that every school would be mandated to have a moment of silence at the beginning of every school day for potential prayer or reflection and to say the Pledge of Allegiance. Um, so uh, this kind of seems to be the same school of lawmaking of uh, we really want to standardize the level of like patriotism and like prayerful reflection religion, let's not get sued uh, sort of uh, approach to uh, putting that into public education. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have you been able to get in contact with any of the lawmakers who have sponsored this bill yet to kind of see their thinking behind it? I know they're going home already, but you know, have you been able to get in touch with them? No, the only there are four main sponsors on this. Uh, the only one I've heard from is uh, Dean Arp's legislative aide uh, told me that he would not be available to comment on it. So, so well, there you go. Business as usual <laughs> at the legislature. Uh, I think that's all we got for now. We're going to take a break and come back with everyone's favorite segment, headliner of the week. Did you know that North Carolina judges used to ride on horseback across the state to deliver justice? Today, there are more than 1,000 judicial representatives in our state. And through the NCAOC Speakers Bureau, you can request to have a representative speak at your event. Representatives are ready to inform your community about the importance of the North Carolina judicial system, and their visits are completely free. We can't promise they'll show up on a horse, though. Visit celebrate.ncourts.org to request a speaker for your event. Headliner of the week, 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 headliner of the week. Who's hot? Welcome back to Dumbcast. I'm Lauren Horsch, and we are going to get right into everyone's favorite segment, headliner of the week. And let's start with Andy Spay. My headliner comes to us from Durham, as it did last week, I believe. Because Durham's the best. Playing to the judge here. Hey. <laughs> Maybe. All right. My headliner of the week is both sports-related and politics-related, uh, which is everyone's favorite. Everyone loves when those two mix. Uh, and I'm going to go with the Durham Bulls, um, more specifically the Durham Bulls trolling Ben Shapiro, a conservative uh, pundit. Uh, ben Shapiro, from what I can tell, put out a list of some of his favorite uh, sports. Is it sports movies or baseball movies? I think it's movies? just baseball movies. Just baseball movies. 
And Bull Durham, uh, which if you don't know, uh, is sort of a comedy slash drama. It's a rom-com. It's a rom-com, yeah. Uh, that uh, based on the players of the Durham Bulls, and it was made, what, in the 70s? It is having its 30th anniversary this year. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> we didn't plan this. Me and Lauren didn't. But anyway, uh, so he put out this list, and Bull Durham was at the very bottom. It was tied for 12th or 13th. And someone, uh, I think multiple people, challenged uh, Mr. Shapiro on Twitter and then he responded, Bull Durham is the most overrated baseball movie ever. To which the Durham Bulls responded, you are overrated. Uh, which, of course, uh, we wrote about uh, and got many clicks uh, because, uh, obviously, who doesn't want to see a Twitter fight between a pundit and a minor league baseball team? Uh, and so here we are. Uh, I don't know if he has repented uh, or apologized for his inaccurate assertion. I believe we can all say that that's inaccurate. Uh, Bull Durham's a great movie, and uh, the Durham Bulls are the best. So uh, that's what I'm going with, headliner of the week, uh, conservative pundit Ben Shapiro getting trolled by our local hometown favorite baseball team. Good deal, Durham Bulls feud with Ben Shapiro in the hat for headliner of the week. Uh, Will Doran, what do you got? I got to go with something a little bit more uh, boring, uh, but maybe, Boo. you know, more long run important than a Twitter feud uh, involving What's a minor league baseball team. <laughs> Don't ask our president. He loves his Twitter feuds. Um, so this is another bill uh, that just got filed at the beginning of the session related to Gen X. Uh, people who have listened to the podcast before know that I'm kind of the, the in-house Gen X reporter for us. Uh, Even though you're a millennial. <laughs> Even though I'm a millennial, different kind of Gen X. This is a, a pollution, not just a pollution on society. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Ouch. No offense to our Gen X listeners. Um, no. Anyways, um, there's a bill filed uh, that very notably had the support of both the House and the Senate. Uh, in the past, the two chambers just could not agree on anything. Got a ton of really, you know, bad headlines and criticism from the governor, criticism from all sorts of uh, environmental groups for not being able to deal with this kind of emerging pollution crisis we've got going on. Uh, but notably today, they put out identical bills in both the House and the Senate, uh, supported by both uh, Tim Moore and Phil Berger. So it looks like this is kind of on the fast track to passing. Um, it does not have nearly as much money in it for DEQ as Roy Cooper wanted to spend. Uh, and his plan, which would have created about 50 jobs, um, instead this gives a lot of money to the Policy Collaboratory at UNC, uh, which famously has a research director who is Phil Berger's former science advisor, um, and that has earned it some controversy in the past. But uh, I, I think really the headline is that, hey, we've got this bill, it looks you know slated to go ahead, and the, uh, the main sponsors on that are Ted Davis and Michael Lee, uh, both of Wilmington. Uh, Davis is in the House of Representatives, Lee's in the Senate. Both are f facing probably pretty serious challengers in the upcoming November elections. So uh, clearly, you know, there's obviously a political angle to this as well. You know, want to be able to give them a win on this issue that's really important to people down in southeastern North Carolina who are very concerned about their health and what the heck is in their drinking water. Good deal. Well, the well, not a good deal. That's. <laughs> The bill's a good good thing to have right now. So. It's always nice to have compromise. Yeah. Yes, compromise, the greatest thing we can have. So uh, Will's uh, Gen X bill compromise in the hat for headliner of the week. Colin, 
What do we got? All right, I am going uh, with a little bit of a throwback for this uh, Thursday as we record this. Uh, my pick is Pat McCrory this week, our former governor. Um, he has not been in office for, oh, a year and a half now, uh, yet he is still making cameos on uh, late-night comedy television. Uh, apparently, uh, this week he was uh, featured on uh, the Comedy Central program The Opposition with Jordan Klepper. Uh, Klepper was evidently making fun of McCrory's uh, recent uh, controversy over some comments uh, McCrory ra- made on his uh, talk radio show on WBT in Charlotte, uh, in which he was talking about the changing face of Charlotte politics. Uh, he was referring to the fact that um, uh, the vast majority, actually, of uh, Charlotte's uh, leaders and people in leadership positions in that city are now African-American. Uh, and he referred to Charlotte Mecklenburg as, quote, a very segregated city and county because white Republicans no longer occupy any of the government posts. Uh, that, of course, uh, got a, quite a bit of outrage uh, from folks in that area who were saying he was uh, race baiting, uh, among other uh, things that they were concerned that he was doing out of that. Uh, so that earned him a spot on uh, the Comedy Central show um, in which uh, Jordan Klepper was making fun of him. And according to this uh, story from the uh, Charlotte Observer, uh, Klepper addressed his audience during the uh, show saying, I know this is hard for my non-white viewers to understand, but would you, how would you feel if your elected officials didn't look like you? Or if they hadn't looked like you for as long as you can remember, which in this instance is, is like a whole week. Uh, so Pat McCrory is my pick uh, this week for uh, managing to stay relevant, I guess, by uh, getting his uh, radio show comments featured on Comedy Central. Oy vey. Um, holy buckets. That's a lot. Um, so Pat McCrory's radio comments on a late night talk show in the headliner hat. Um, this is going to be a tough one for me. Because I love Pat McCrory comments and I love the Durham Bulls and compromise is important. But I'm sorry, Andy was pandering. I have to go with the Durham Bulls Twitter feud with Ben Shapiro. I just, I can't help myself. That's a home run pick. Oh. (laughs) It's true. I do. Yes, it was a home run pick. I'm going to go put on my Durham Bulls baseball hat when I get home to celebrate. Well, you know, you got to be like me and just get the bumper sticker so you're always repping. You're right. Maybe they could send us some complimentary <laughs> stickers. Domecast, now sponsored by the Durham Bulls. Check out our promotion this week. We'll be giving out free T-shirts and a gun. I mean, it's <laughs> hot dog gun. <laughs> as long as I can get dollar hot dogs every game, that's all I want with my life. Anyway, for uh, Andy Spavel, Doran Colin Campbell, I'm Lauren Horsch, and this has been another episode of Domecast. You've been listening to The Domecast, a production of the News and Observer and the Insider State Government News Service. You can keep up with the conversation by reading Under the Dome in the Daily Print Edition or online at newsobserver.com. The Insider is found online at ncinsider.com.